0: Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. Can we all just take a minute to admit that divorce is absolutely brutal? You've got hopes and dreams of being together forever, and they're crushed under the weight of pain and resentment and anger and tears and all sorts of mess trying to figure out the finances and kids and living arrangements. It is a mess. I have had multiple friends in the last few years get divorced. And every time it happens, I just, I wish they could figure out a way to make it work. It's heartbreaking as a friend. Now, I'll tell you, when I was a pastor, there were a few couples, only a few, that were so toxic that I actually suggested and encouraged them to get divorced, and they ended up doing so. And I think both parties were way better off. I am not like pro-divorce or something. I want people to stay married, in love, connected, But sometimes, man, it is so toxic that something has to happen. So if you or a friend are in the midst of a separation or a divorce, or if you or someone you know is already divorced, which is pretty much all of us, we all are either divorced or know someone who's divorced. Okay, let's let's be honest here. This episode is for you. I want to introduce you to Gabrielle Hartley. She's a leading divorce attorney, mediator coach and the author of the best-selling book better apart the radically positive way to separate it is the first book of its kind to combine life-changing healing wisdom of mindfulness meditation and yoga with practical advice and legal wisdom to get you through and even beyond your divorce it was named the conscious uncoupling how-to by people magazine and Gabrielle has been featured throughout media channels, including the New York Times, New York Post, Yoga Journal, and Mind Body Green. She's known for her unique, non toxic approach to divorce that she's developed over two decades in legal practice. You are going to love this interview. She is fun, relatable, and full of all sorts of wisdom. So let's jump into my conversation with Gabrielle Hartley. Gabrielle, thank you so much for taking time to hang with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: What are the primary reasons that you see that couples are getting divorced these days?
1: So that's a question that I'm asked very often. People ask if it's because of money or because of cheating. I was recently asked by uh, someone who interviewed me who was pretty young. He said, do they get divorced because of stuff? And I was like, no, no, stuff? I know, because he was like 27 or something, right? I'm like, I was like, no, not so much. So I would say... Most people separate, really, when it comes down to it, it's about communication. And sometimes it's because somebody grew within the relationship. They changed over time and somebody else stayed stagnant. Sometimes somebody had a low-lying mental health issue that has not, that, that comes out more as we age, right? And it's become um, an impediment to the communication. I would say if we had to pinpoint one issue that really is the thing that drives couples apart, it is the failure to listen.
0: I think about the fact that I got married at 21, My wife was 22. We just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary.
1: Congratulations.
0: Thank you. Um, There was a point at which we were headed for divorce, like about 11 years ago, made it through. But we have changed a lot over those 25 years. I mean, we are, yeah, of course, the core of who we are is the same. But I mean, we have radically changed. I think that has got to be hard for most couples because you do change over that amount of time.
1: I would say we become more of who we are. Ah. So like um, the book that I wrote, Better Apart, it is a divorce book, but actually the the essential elements of it apply to all of us. And it's just about getting deeper into your own internal monologue, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. And tapping into your internal narrative and figuring out how much of it is Based on externalities versus what is truly inside of us? And then how can we enhance what's in us? And sometimes with relationships, we just get into a negative pattern and we can't grow and become more of our true selves. And I think that that's what makes relationships come to their demise.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously we are focused on your book today, Better Apart. And one of the things that I want to hear is what are the greatest challenges that couples face during divorce? Because your book is all about how to have a better divorce, an elegant divorce, um, how to uncouple. So when they're uncoupling, when they're separating, what are the challenges that most couples face? Because I know we've got listeners who are in the midst of divorce right now, and they're you know probably going, am I alone in this? Am I the only one that's facing yeah. this?
1: that's that's actually the thing that you just pointed out I, I wasn't going to say that but that is actually I think the greatest challenge is all the self-shaming that we do and all the the stigma that's still out there and all the you know hiding in the shadows of the topic of divorce I think that that's really prevalent and and I want everyone to know which is half the reason I wrote the book is just to let people feel held and to let them know they're not alone these themes that you're no matter where you live no matter who you are if you're educated or you know you didn't even finish 8th grade or you're poor or you're rich or you, you know what language you speak the main thing to know is you are not alone and you are going to be okay and you're going to get through this and I would encourage you to focus on you and your part and what you need to bring yourself forward. Because as we know, we cannot change other people. We can only control how we respond to other people. And I know like our parents say that and we hear people saying, we might even say to each other, it's so hard to do when it's ourselves, but it's really, um, really hard not to react. It's, It's difficult sometimes not to distinguish the fact pattern of your breakup. From one of your friends and then to overgeneralize and if things went really bad with them you start to assume that the same thing is going to unravel but remember we're all although patterns may be generalized we're highly nuanced beings and our dynamics then make it even when you bring two people together it's a whole other um level of distinction of how we're going to interrelate also Not getting swept away by what your lawyer might be saying. I've obviously many, many, many uh, friends and colleagues are divorce lawyers, but, you know, they, you know, they kind of make fun of me. I'm like the woo-woo divorce lawyer, (laughs) but, you know, I always say you can be strong and kind at the same time, right? And so, so one thing to really focus on is getting really granular on what your needs are and really listening to what your partner's needs are.
0: So, but I don't often, care, but I don't care about my partner's needs. That's why we're breaking up, Gabrielle. But the
1: way you're gonna get what you need is by giving them what they want.
0: Ah. And so mostly, give me an example. Give me an example of that. like how would that how would that go down?
1: So, like, somebody comes in and they say, oh, my God, Gabrielle, I, I want to stay in the house, but I know that, y- you know, she wants the house and the kids are there. And they have this whole internal dialogue and they're, like, totally insane about it in their mind, as any of us may be. And then how, I say how,
0: – how, how long do you listen until you cut them off?
1: <laughs> well, it depends, right? Okay,
0: all you right. need
1: to – unload.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: We all to, especially when we're
0: emotionally charged. Right, right. They probably won't be able to listen to you until they get it out. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So then I might say, have you asked if she cares about the house? Well, no, but I know she wants to stay with the kids. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as asking the question and she might say, well, I'd like to stay in the house, but that's not like the thing that she's focused on. Maybe she's focused on I had an affair, but I still want 50-50 custody. And I think you're going to say I'm a bad mom. Ah, okay. Or maybe I don't make as much money and I want to make sure that I, I get as generous a division of property. Or maybe I have family money that I really don't want you to touch. And because of that, I'm willing to let you keep the house. I mean, like, I, that's just one example. But sure, sure. there are so many ways, so many angles. I'll, I'll tell you an unrelated story um, just really quickly. So when my grandma died, the, your your typewriters are making me think of my grandma, right? Because they're old school. When my grandma died, there was this, like, from probably the 60s, like before I was born, a, it, we called it the sick tray. It's like a tin tray with, like, crazy orange and, you know, yellow flowers on it. And she used to serve my brother and my cousins and me, if we stayed at her house when our parents went to work, if we were sick. And I have such great memories of like her cutting up an orange into many, many pieces and, you know, you know, and, and just spending quality time with her anyway, when I was sick. So when she died, I was just sure everybody was going to want the sick tray.
0: Oh, right.
1: So her house and I was like waiting for the right moment. And I, When I got the sick tray and I'm the only girl in my whole family and I went to my cousins and to my brother. So as it turned out, nobody else cared about the sick tray. Like people wanted, you know, my cousin wanted like the little bartender that like made a drink. And, you know, just like it's just don't assume that your spouse cares as strongly or in the same thing about uh, in the same way about the same thing, or maybe it's like you're concerned about like the parenting plan and and you're afraid well you think, oh well my spouse is a really great dad or mom, but she drinks too much. well like maybe you make certain rules around and drive it. I mean like there's always ways to explore a parenting plan that meets everyone's needs. And I use the word needs and not wants specifically.
0: Mm-hmm. So you talk about having an elegant divorce. How would you define an elegant divorce? What, what, how would you describe that?
1: So what makes a divorce elegant or easeful or better is one where everyone feels that they're at a point of stasis, right? Like I talk a lot about peace. So peace is not about like fluffy fairy unicorns, right? It's like It's about feeling like, okay, about noticing the neutral. And when we're at a place of neutrality, then we have somewhere to go. Now, maybe that you're dealing with someone who has like a a true narcissistic personality disorder and, and you're just forever frustrated by them because the conversations don't go anywhere because they've got their own dialogue in their head. But that's okay. You can still be neutral with them because can still convey concise messaging to them that they will hear or at least have to respond to as long as you don't allow yourself to get swept up into their drama. They'll find somebody else to be receptive to their drama because it's not really about you. Most of what comes at us has nothing to do with us, right? So elegant is being internally and externally aligned, feeling at one. People have said to me... um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people compare elegance, they think of fashion, but what is elegant fashion? It's simple, it's clean, right? And so it's the same when it comes to divorce. It's. I, I had a, a call recently where somebody said, hey, Gabrielle, I just want to run something by you. You're going to kill me. I, I was too generous. It was three years ago and I gave away so much. And then I said, well, what do you have? I mean, it turns out the person makes significant money and it was not hard at all for him to pay a lot of money and he had plenty of money. You know, we went through the whole thing and I said, well, how's your relationship and how's this? Everything's great, but maybe I pay too much. That doesn't sound like you did to me. It sounds like it worked out great. And how's your relationship now? It's great. And, and actually, you know, and actually maybe I don't have to pay forever. Well, that's great. You know I mean? It's okay to give more. It's also okay to take less. You might not need as much as the law gives you and people should know, because your listeners are probably all over the country. I've been a divorce lawyer in more than one location, and I talk all over the country, so I meet with a lot of divorce lawyers, and one thing to know is that the law is just trying to capture in broad brush strokes what seems fair enough. Your outcome may be quite different, even if you live in Upstate New York and downstate New York. If you live in Texas and California, you're the same people. We have the same emotions, but your rights may be very different. And that's just interesting information.
0: Mm -hmm. Especially when you're talking to relatives or friends and comparing and contrasting, it may not be the same situation in your area of the country.
1: Well, even for yourself, if you're like, well, that's what the law is. It doesn't mean the law's right. It just means that was the bargain that was made mm-hmm. at the time when the law was enacted. When the
0: law was enacted. Yeah. So you have five essential elements that you talk about in your book, Better Apart. And I want us to walk through these just briefly. I, but I want people to get the book because you dive deep on all five. Um, would you mind going through those and tell us why those elements are so important in order to have an elegant divorce?
1: Absolutely. So in Better Part, we explore five essential elements and they are, and I'll I'll do them in the order that I've presented them because I'm like super impatient. I made patience first for somebody else. Forgiveness might be the most important, but forgiveness is super easy for me. So it's like less interesting in a way, but anyway, so patience. So if you're going through a divorce or any difficult transition, patience is absolutely essential Because much of this is a marathon. It is not a sprint. You have very little control about the way things are going to unfold in terms of timing, maybe even in terms of outcome. You may feel very inflamed or enraged at certain points. So patience is all about taking a step back and and making room to breathe and to settle. So deep breaths, I'd say, is the number one key takeaway from patients. literally taking deep breaths, get your um, thinking brain engaged, calm your emotional brain, and you're going to make better choices. The second element is respect. Respect primarily is about self-respect because when we don't feel good, we're not going to act respectful to anybody else. We're not going to be able to be really rooted and engaged in ourselves and life's not going to be good, right? So uh, I quote my maternal grandpa all the time. He used to always say, never throw anyone away, just put them on a shelf. And when you're going through a divorce, there's a lot of people and places and circumstances you might have to shelve. It doesn't mean you can't be friends with them again. Maybe it's a sister-in-law who you loved so much, but right now it's not a good time. You can just, you might even say, it's not a good time right now, but I hope we can Reestablish our relationship at some point. It might be different, but still reestablish. So, So creating boundaries is a great way to elevate your self-respect. When you're going through the book, I encourage everyone to get a journal and do certain exercises, but make a list of the things, almost like a mantra, like on a daily basis of things that make you feel good. Things, people, places. So like, let's say you have a crappy day. You end your day by making that darn list that you don't feel like making of as many things that make you feel good. And when you go to bed at night, you might just feel a little bit better. The third is clarity. And that's really about stepping back from the blame game and moving into where are you the best active visionary that you can be? How granular can you get on what you want to create for yourself, for your children, for your future? So. What I tell people to do is to pick something that's irritating you, or something that you want to achieve, or somewhere you want to be, and then start making a list, or if you're not a lexic person, like a word person, make a vision board, and start just creating your new future, and do it again as a mantra. In order to make something really enact change, effectuate change, it needs to be automatic, part of you and the only way it's going to be automatic is if you do it like brushing your teeth so so i would say like pick one of these themes and pick one of the activities and do it every day do it in the morning and at night every single day like a mantra
0: number four is peace
1: yeah and we started to talk about peace and that's about it's about noticing the neutral it's about saying
0: what do you mean by noticing the neutral what does that mean to you
1: so what noticing the neutral means is... So, so what's the goal here? The goal here is to get to positive, right? Mm-hmm. Is to get, or if not positive, to get out of the negative cycle. Okay. So what we know is that humans need to hear between five to eight positives to, in order to listen and process one negative. I don't know. I mean, this, it depends what report you read, how many you need. So, so noticing the neutral is um, just about literally either verbalizing or at least internally noticing. So you're either giving yourself a positive signal or you're giving the other person a positive signal about something that just happened. So I'll give you an example, like from my own life with my kids, I read this book called, um, Raising your difficult child, which they renamed the nurtured heart approach, because I don't think anybody wants to think of their. Kid- <laughs> well, I know, but the book was better when it was called Raising Your Difficult Child. It was really, you know, very direct, which I appreciated. So I would say, you know, my I had two little boys at the time, and they were very active. And I remember, it said, you know, you had to notice. I don't remember, maybe you know, 15 neutral things per minute. I don't know, it was, a, it was a lot of things or five minutes. And I remember saying like, hey, I notice you haven't thrown sand at each other. Good job. <laughs> now, sure, sure. That's like a non-thing. So I was going to say, if if your, your ex is always showing up late and they show up on time, don't say like, oh, you're on time for once. Say, hey, thanks for being on time. Because then that other person you're talking to feels the gratitude, and if you could find a way to do that four or five more times before you say, hey, buddy, you know, you just did this or that wrong, then you're going to have a better likelihood of getting the outcome that you're looking for.
0: Speaking from my own experience as someone who was in the midst of a divorce, but somehow we were, you know, we obviously were able to reconcile. Um it is just the most non peaceful experience ever. It's just absolutely debilitating. How do how does somebody help cultivate that peace within themselves?
1: So, there are a lot of different exercises you can do. One thing that um is is very easy to do is to to give yourself an affirmation or a mantra that you say throughout the day, which can be I feel at peace or I'm radiantly calm. Or I am magically peaceful. I don't know. Whatever speaks to you. I mean, those are my words. They might sound not like resonant for you. But whatever works for your listeners, find peaceful words, A uh, literally a message. When you're giving yourself this a message, either through your visualization exercises that we talked about a moment ago um, in clarity or for this, Be as specific and positive and present in everything that you say because it's more likely to to be integrated in you and to manifest. And so by giving yourself an affirmation, if you just say it from time to time, it's really not going to do anything. You have to say it to yourself throughout the day all the time. Do you know why?
0: Go for it. Tell me.
1: Then when you're activated, it's right there. It's
0: it's available to me.
1: It's available to you. And then what's going to happen is... You are going to access it, maybe without even meaning to. And it doesn't mean you're not going to feel angry or sad or frustrated or any of those things. It just means that your brain is going to have a tiny little pause, which is going to give you space to calm your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then to be more thoughtful in how you treat yourself, respect, and how you treat your spouse or your ex-spouse. hmm
0: Number five is forgiveness. Hello, we've got challenges here.
1: <laughs> okay, so so I know, right. Do you want to ask me something?
0: does this even <laughs> I mean, this, is a, this almost feels like for the divorced couples that I connect with and coach, it's like a lifetime of work in order to forgive.
1: Yeah. So, you know, my my mom, you know, they had a really great divorce um, in terms of how they raised us. My mom held a lot of anger towards my dad. And I remember saying to her a few years ago, like, why don't you just like get over it? She was like, I'm going to be angry if I damn well want to. Like, she was just like, and then my book came out. I mean, I, I don't like to say my book like changed anything because it's just a book, right? Whatever. But like, first she read it and she's like, "Are you trying to tell me something?" I was like, "Maybe." And then, and now, I don't know. Like, it's not like she said, "Oh, your book has helped me so much." But like, she's she's always been like good to my dad, but like been mad. But I actually feel like she's really let go because I feel like I don't know somehow my points are communicated. So, so, so let me just give you my little spiel, and you could just t- dismiss it or just take whatever of it might speak to you. Okay, so the first thing is like, what, is, you have to ask yourself, what purpose is this anger serving me, right? so you may be in an activated time or feel really sad or hurt and it might be pr- protective in nature so anger does serve a purpose and i do not ever advocate people to not feel anger just like i would never say don't feel grief and in fact all these like happy things that i'm saying like they kind of you you, you let them inch into your life you know you commit to like 3 minutes a day and then 5 minutes and then you make it a practice and it builds over time when you want them and when you're ready for it. So if you just need to stew in your sadness or anger, like go for it. And if you want that to be your whole life, that is your prerogative. But what I'm going to say, which is not my original quote, but you know, tell me if you can find who said it because it's attributed to lots of people, is holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So like why would we do that? That doesn't make any sense, right? Except if you're feeling really hurt, Sometimes it it can be, um, it can help us function, like get through the day at work. I have a little story which might sound like, oh, well, you know, that's nothing compared to what I've gone through. And I I get that, but this is, I'm just going to tell you my story just in terms of the process. And so I have a friend and a bigger group of girlfriends I've been friends with a long time. And she did something that I felt was like really unkind to me. And I was really doing my best to try to let it go. And I just couldn't. And I was like, why Why do I need to forgive her, right? Like, I was like, maybe I could forgive her. And eventually, after several years, I had this little flash of clarity. And it was probably around when I was writing the book, right? Because I was it was like going in my, my loop. And I was like, you know what? I can forgive myself for remaining angry at her. I can forgive myself for being human and for all that has happened and for all that she is and all that she was and and for not being able to just let it go. And then I can also forgive her for not apologizing, not maybe even realizing what she did for doing what she did in the first place. I can just like let it all go because I'm gonna decide to let it go. Because remember that, again, the things that happen to you, nothing has anything to do with us. Like, I mean, almost that sounds like, well, then why do I even talk to people? I mean, that's a whole other conversation for another day. But, But the weirdest thing that happened was when I did that, maybe like a few weeks later, I saw her and for the first time, and she has no idea that I went through this process. For the first time, she said to me, We had a conversation and she's like, I I don't know why that happened back then. Like, I don't don't know what happened. And I remember thinking like, well, I know what happened, but whatever. And I literally didn't feel angry anymore. I mean, I remembered what happened, but I didn't feel the emotion about it. And, you know, one great thing that works for people sometimes are um, alternate beyond talk therapy or coaching. I know you do coaching. I do coaching is um, there are somatic modalities of therapy like um emotional freedom technique which is eft or emdr rapid eye movement where you say certain mantras and you do certain things and you literally peel back the emotions like skins on an onion and it's it really works for a lot of people um for tra- it's really for trauma therapy, but divorce is a trauma. It is a death. It is a time of reckoning and rumble. And, you know, embrace the suck, as um, Brene Brown would say, and you can really get through and become better. You can become actually better together even when you're apart, even if you're separating from an impossible narcissist, because you can make really powerful choices about how you're going to respond.
0: Mm-hmm. how do, how do I respond if I'm in a divorce situation and the other individual <laughs> is not cooperating? Like they're not about the five essential elements. They don't care about patience, respect, clarity, peace, forgiveness. Yeah, right. They're like, screw you. I'm going to take as much money as I can. I'm right. going to take the kids as long as I can. Right. I, I hate you. I hate your mom and dad. I hate everything about you. Right? Yeah. And you're trying to do all these things. How do you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So, so that's Really, why I wrote the book? Because I had so many clients who were in that exact position, right? Like now, I I mostly just mediate um, in person and online. But what I I found is there's so many really nice, calm, centered people who are married to like hot-headed, impossible people, right? We find each other like magnets, and so the only thing you can do is work on your ability to respond and your ability to stay strong. It does not mean let yourself get trailblazed over. Sometimes you have to go to court. Court is there for a reason and is there for a purpose. Sometimes you may be surprised that your spouse just needs to be spoken to firmly by a judge, and then they get in gear. Sometimes a bully just needs to be bullied back. And for the person who's always one down, remember, sometimes in the context, and this might sound funny for me to say as the author of Better Apart, but I am a divorce attorney for 25 years, the best defense is a strong offense, and don't think that your bully isn't going to come on really, really strong. So you need to do deep work and have yourself with a therapist, a coach. I mean, I wouldn't say one or the other. If you have the time and insurance, I would do both. I would really get a therapist, get a coach, read self-help books, do everything, surround yourself by people who build up your self-respect, get really clear about what you need, step away from the story of your relationship because it just doesn't even matter. You just need to manage how your life is going to unravel and be extricated as you move gracefully forward into the beautiful rest of your life.
0: Oh, Gabrielle, that is just beautiful. Yes. Oh,
1: thank you. That means a lot coming from you.
0: Yeah, that is just beautiful because that is the unraveling, I don't remember the next word you said, but unraveling really from the story of your relationship, because something about that inside is like, there's a less than, there's not an ability to be fully who you are for whatever reasons. I see that in a lot of the women that I connect with. It's like, there's a re-emerging of their identity, a re uh, a reacquaintance with it, uh, and a, a discovery of it to go, wow, this is who and- I am.
1: I want to raise one point based on what you are just saying. Um, there's actually a tiny little section between my intro and my chapter one called Pause, Maybe You Don't Need a Divorce. Right, I don't right. know if you saw that. Yes, I did. And, uh, and, um, and so I, I just recently counseled someone who came in for a divorce. And as we spoke, it sounded like there was some stuff going on and this person decided, I can't deal with this, so I guess I have to get a divorce. I was like, well, you really still love your spouse. If you're going to get a divorce, maybe you need to, like, get in there and, like, rough it up a little, have those difficult conversation and conversations and see, like, maybe your relationship can grow from this. Like, maybe. I'm not saying you're going to change the person, but rather than just leave, sometimes we can go deeper because you'd be surprised how many times outside the courtroom – I see the couple embracing after. There was one circumstance back when I worked for Judge uh, Sunshine, who's now the chief administrative judge for all the matrimonial cases for a whole New York state. We had a order of protection hearing. A woman had thrown a glass of wine at the guy, whatever. Basically he was excluded from the marital home because of this one fight that they had had. Things got a little out of hand and, and, I felt like we were at the end of, um, you know, law and order because the judge and I went down the side stairs and we came out and we looked down and we saw this couple who'd just been going out in court, giving each other the biggest, most heartfelt hug. And it was like, and we looked at each other. I felt like the credits were going to (laughs) roll.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, you know, ironically, if both parties actually worked on these five elements that you're talking about, they could stay together.
1: Absolutely. It doesn't mean, by the way, that they're going to all stay together. But I do think it means that if they decide to separate, it's going to be a much better, more elegant, back to your point, path forward. Mm -hmm. So if they truly each work on where they're struggling... And find the patience or the forgiveness because I think those two are really big. I mean, there's the blame game is also big, but people people really want to talk about forgiveness. In fact, Elena, who is the yoga and meditation person who um, co-authored with me, she was she did a whole episode on Goop with Gwyneth Paltrow just about forgiveness. So, like, mm-hmm. forgiveness is just like a really really big piece of it. But even if it turns out that you find, you know, what you're just Better apart, the book is going to give you the tools to actually be better apart.
0: Absolutely. And now mm-hmm.
1: my husband's always saying to me, like, he's like, maybe we should just be better apart. It's like, a, anyway. No, <laughs> oh, no, well, another. That's, that's a separate podcast. <laughs> <but> anyway.
0: <laughs> well, and the beautiful thing is that if you cultivate these five elements in your life, if you are apart, no matter who you're with in the future whether if you choose not to have a partner or you choose to have one your life and your relationships are going to be so much better because of these five elements
1: that's right and the and the exercises are really just clear and simple and easily accessible but again, just like anything else, you need to do them every day, several times a day. You need to make that list. You need to draw that picture. Say that mantra. When when I was um, when I was in my twenties, I was a bridesmaid about fifteen times, twenties and early thirties, and I decided at a certain point, like, oh, I got to meet somebody and get married if I'm going to have kids, right? And so I. Um, I started to almost like a mantra, make a list of like the qualities of my husband. That's what it was called. And I did it like, if you saw them, it looks like I'm like a crazy person, right? Like I just made lists. And like within six months, my husband appeared and he literally had every single quality. Now, you know, and I I have permission from him to say this, but in like full disclosure, like there's some things I didn't think of, right? And there's some things that were on there that turned out to be less important than I thought. But whatever, the point is when you get clear you are much more likely to get the outcome that you're looking for.
0: Absolutely. And you work with couples to mediate uh, not only locally where you are in Massachusetts, but around the globe. You can connect with people. and
1: Absolutely. Because, I mean, today with the Zoom platform, I do really wonderful online mediations with people all over. And they just consult with their attorney. And we create a memorandum of understanding that they can bring back to their attorneys.
0: Perfect. And so if they want to work with you, they can go to and we we'll, And right. of course, put that in the show notes. If you're on a Apple podcast, you can swipe up on your phone and the show notes are right there. You can click through, or they're also on our website, of course, Insporising.com. But we want to make sure that people go and get your book. Do you give your book to clients? Like when they show up I in your office, do.
1: I do when somebody, um, when they're in my office, I do give them a book. Otherwise I just have them order the book online. Um, and because we really work a lot with the content of the book, I also I do have a, um, you know, never mind the one-to-one coaching um, program. I I am very shortly launching the Better Apart Optimized Living Masterclass, which is. A very neat, tidy program that is um, affordably priced, and it's a nice complement to whatever coach you're already working with. Um, So, if you join my list by just doing an opt-in at gabriellehartley.com when it's launched, which will probably be um, the middle of August, you know you'll you'll get notice for it.
0: That's awesome! And so, you should go to gabriellehartley.com and purchase her book, which is Better Apart: The Radically Positive Way to Separate. Gabrielle, so you are fiery. I'm going to guess, I have never met your husband, but I'm going to guess he's the mellow one. He's a little more reserved. He's a
1: lot more reserved. He's I not actually it. as mellow. That's what I should have written on the list. <laughs> he's not as mellow as he appears. Um, he's. We're both pretty intense, um, but he's much more reserved. I'm very embarrassing. He's like from rural Maine. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, so, oh, well.
0: I love it. And you're making it work.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's right. Every day is, it, you know, relationships are for most people, not seamless and easy. They're just not. So that's another thing your listeners should remember. You might have that one best friend. Like I have, my closest girlfriend is in like the easiest relationship. Like she, they're, they're just really, really naturally good together, great together. And you might be thinking like, oh, she doesn't really tell you everything. It's not really true. Like it's just a great dynamic but I have a lot of women, and I'm sure you, you all have a lot of friends, who um, struggle. It's hard to to be with another person all the time and to like have the business called life with each other. So just knowing that and knowing that if it's hard, you're not living in an island, I personally find that very helpful.
0: It is a challenge. There are challenges for each one of us. Different ways, for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thank wisdom. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Yeah, so good to be with you. Likewise. You have friends and family members who are going through a divorce or they've already been divorced. Tell them about this episode. They need to hear the hope that Gabrielle shared with us today. So take your phone, take a screenshot of this episode, text that image to a friend, or just tell them. Search for Inspiration Rising on the Apple Podcasts or the Google Podcasts app on their smartphone. And if you're going through a divorce or separation right now, please know that you are not alone. You're going to make it. There's light on the other side. I got to tell you that the divine loves you. I love you. And you have people in your life who love you and are cheering for you. So keep going one day at a time.